Hello and welcome to the Talking Bible Podcast. I believe it is episode 18. Um, Today we are going to be going through Jonah uh, chapter 3. So this is the third installment of our Jonah uh, series. Um, And yeah, if you guys don't know us, my name is Brayton Osterweil. Uh, I am a youth pastor at the Lighthouse Church in Vancouver, Washington. And I am joined by my co-host Nathan Blondino. Uh, and he is a he is the head usher at the Lighthouse Church as well as a leader in the youth group. So yeah. Um, but before we get into any of the word and the context, the stuff that we've already gone through, I am going to pray for the day. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you're so good and that you're so faithful, that your love is just so, so good, Lord. And we ask that you would just come into this podcast, Lord, and just speak to those who need your word. And we all need your word, Lord. So we just ask that you would just speak and that you would use us as vessels and that it wouldn't be our way, but it would be your way. So we just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I think the I think we should just do the context of the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you guys didn't listen to the last two episodes, we went over Jonah 1 and 2. Basically, Jonah runs away from the, the word of the Lord. He goes in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh, where God tells him to go and, and preach against it. Um, and so he goes the opposite direction towards uh, Tarshish. Tarsh- Tarshish? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. But... Uh, he runs away. Um, there's a great storm on the sea and, uh, he basically endangers a bunch of people's lives because of this storm being so great. And, um, the only way for this, for the sea to be calm was if he was to be thrown into the sea. Yeah. Um, and so he's cast into the sea, he's swallowed by a fish and he's in there for three days and three nights until he repents. And, uh, and then the, the fish will, vomited him out onto the land. But uh, in Jonah 2, what we went over was just this whole prayer that he has within the fish. Um, and I believe it's a, a prayer of repentance and um, God saves him. You know, God saves him from um, his imminent death at the bottom of the ocean, you know, and that's, it's an interesting picture. But if you guys want to check that out, you guys can go to the the last couple episodes. Yeah. So um, we're in Jonah 3 today. Um, and it's not super long, but let me, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go through right now. So this is verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, uh, proclaim, proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them. Uh, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may... uh, who knows? God may yet relent with compassion oh, and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them uh, the destruction he had threatened. Um, yeah. 
All right. Well, so we can chunk it out. We can go verse by verse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to kind of paint a picture. So he was just in the belly of a whale for three days, three nights. He gets spit up. He's had kind of this come to God moment where he's able to picture God's love and grace towards him because he was just saved from his sin, which rightly he would have been given death for. Uh, he was running away from the presence of God. He was disobeying uh, God's direct command to him to uh, bring his word to the people of Nineveh, which was his job. He was a prophet. Um, so now you're getting to where Jonah, he's vomited up onto dry land. Uh, and now the Lord is saying a second time, okay, we've gone through this before. We've done it the hard way. Yeah. You know, we've ruffled up a few feathers in the process. Now go and do this for me. Mm-hmm. Go and speak to the Ninevites. Where it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. It was the proclamation which he had already told him. Mm-hmm. But um, he was going to go again. Um, And then in verse 3, it says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. So yes, Nineveh geographically was a massive city. And it had to be a massive city because it was a city containing 120,000 people, Mm -hmm. which would have been massive at that time. Yeah, I remember I I had just looked up a... uh, um, There's like dispute about Jonah just being like... uh, like, is it historical or is it, is it kind of like a narrative story? Um, and trying to, trying to piece that. And so this, I was reading this article about this guy that was, uh, focusing on all the archeology, span <clears throat> trying to prove the Jonah story. And, um, basically in Assyria at the time, there were like four of these major cities that when you were to measure the circumference of it, it was like 60 miles, mm-hmm. um, all the way around. And so it would take three days because the average person can, could walk about 20 miles a day. Um, and so it was a three days journey. If you were to combine all, th- all, it's like all four of those main, main cities in, in, in that area. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was really interesting because, um, based on the archeology span that the guy was finding, he was able to see, um, how accurate the book of Jonah was. Um, really? Yeah. That's super and, cool. And it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was an exceedingly great city, a, hun- a city of 120,000 people. Um, and then Jonah began to go throughout the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So he goes out and kind of gives this, this sermon, and it's to the people, it's, it's the word of the Lord, and he is going and telling them, hey, your city's going to be destroyed in 40 days. Um, I'm surprised that this, this uh, book doesn't give out more details or info. Um, just about what his sermon was, and usually, you know, you you would have it quoted somewhere. Yeah, you know, at least where where we get our sermons from Jesus, it's quoted and it's 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 generally word to word. You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I just think it's weird that it's like it's kind of like a it's very vague. It's yeah, it is very vague, and I think if we if we kind of analyze the heart of Jonah and his reluctance to go and everything, and mm-hmm. and what we'll eventually learn from chapter four. It just, I don't know. I always get, I kind of get the picture that he's setting him up for failure mm-hmm. in a sense. Like he's re- he's not just reluctant to do what God's saying, um, 
but it's almost as if if this is all he was preaching like if this yeah it, it wasn't about god's grace and god's mercy like we'll find out that he believes about god later in chapter four yeah it's just weird that this is what this is all that he's giving them in 40 more days uh and then it will be overthrown it's just it just seems very very vague but well, I, do, yeah. I do think that there's more information that we just don't get well yeah and it, it and it makes it makes sense to why jonah would have that attitude towards them because it's you know the Assyrians at that time, which were the people of Nineveh, Nineveh was being the capital city of uh, Assyria. Um, the people of Assyria were absolutely ruthless. Yeah, you know, and in the eyes of of somebody like Jonah, who's you know from Israel, he's he's upright. You know, there's you know he's he's a, a prophet of the Lord God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Um, to him, their wickedness could seem unforgivable. You know, right. and yeah. I think that's that was the problem the whole entire time. He just mm-hmm. didn't want them to be forgiven. Right. Um, but it's interesting that this half-hearted sermon then yeah goes about, to yeah it brings about what happens verse five through you know ten mm-hmm. where it says verse five then the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. So. The people of Nineveh believed in God from a half-hearted sermon from a guy who didn't think they deserved forgiveness, um, who didn't think that they could repent because of their evil deeds. Like you got to understand like these people, like when the Assyrians would come into any given city, they would kill all the inhabitants of the city and then they would hang their, they would hang their, their, either their skin, their heads, their, their bodies off of the walls of the city that they had just conquered yeah. to show that the outside, the out outlying or the outlying like the perimeter countries, yeah, below, yeah, the 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 countries that laid on the perimeter of the city wouldn't come, and it it's like a mind game. It's yeah. it's it's psychological warfare. psychological warfare. Just like oh, if you come to us, we will kill every single one of you. Mm. Um, so that was that was their wickedness and i mean th- there was many other things that they would do that was very wicked but it was it's just yeah we don't have to get into all of it um but for these people to immediately have like their hearts softened and believe in god believe that that jonah's half-hearted you know word and that that would bring about repentance yeah. is just absolutely amazing and i'm i'm reminded like we have um we hear Jonah brought up in Second Kings under mm. King Jeroboam the second. Yeah, and I'm just reminded that, like, he was an evil king. Yeah, and um, out of uh, there were a lot of kings in in Israel that that weren't weren't good. You know, they weren't weren't righteous righteous people. Um, that's like few and far between. Yeah, um, that were righteous. Um, but it's interesting that this half, you know, half. Um, this reluctant preaching and um, this very—I don't know—it's—it's—he has a very Jonah has a very reluctant heart to share to share with the Ninevites, and the, they were given so little, and yet they repented so much. Yeah, and I think that what we get from the king's decree in a, in a in just a little bit will tell us more. It's like they they really wanted to repent; they their heart was there, um, but they didn't know exactly how to do it. Like, there's nothing in the in in um, in the Old Testament, talking about putting sackcloth on your on your animals, 
Yeah. Like, why would that be a part of it? So I, I believe that their like culture was playing a part in it, like their pagan culture. They didn't know exactly what they what God wanted them to do, so they did what they. I just don't think Jonah was very good at at sharing with them what they're actually supposed to do. Yeah, they did what they like <clears throat> basically made their best guess. But they were honoring they were honoring God. Yeah, no, with, no, with what they knew. Yeah, you know exactly. And I'm I not think, saying it's wrong. I, like I was just saying that that they they're not getting this from something that yeah. Jonah is giving them. Yeah, but I think it's it's a good it's a good it shifts our perspective, you know, just as Christians in the modern day, that God doesn't necessarily, you can be wrong about some things, but if the heart, if the motive behind the heart is pure, then, you know, God will still accept it. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's not necessarily like, yes, people can do stuff out of ignorance and I'm not encouraging. I'm not, I'm not licensing people to go and do things out of ignorance. Like, going and making sacrifices or, you know, following, following the law, you, you know, to a T like the, with, with, you know, all the little bit Levitical laws. Like I think God has set us, there's, there's certain things that Jesus has set us free from, you know, he set us free from the law of sin and death. Um, but as far as like motive goes, like, even if you do that out of ignorance, right. Even if you're still following the law in this is a tricky area because like, yes, there is a law that we're supposed to follow, but um, even if you're going and you're, you know, following all of the Levitical law um, because that you think that you need to do that, I think God will still honor your motive behind it. You know, just being like, like that's why there's like things that we do out of the, um, you know, if, if if there's something on our heart that we feel like we need to do and we don't do it, we're sinning against ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, our motive behind it is to serve the one true God, right? So if we feel a conviction about something, we should be serving him. Um, so I like that these people are doing things out of out of conviction. They're doing stuff out of conviction and they're they're serving God and they're showing respect, honor, and repentance to him in the only way that they know. So, yeah, did we already get into verse 6, or are we going into uh, 7? No, let me read it. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. So this is, I, th- I really like this. Yeah, I, I really quick. I, I just think it's interesting that at the time of, of Jonah, mm-hmm. King Jeroboam II is, is the king on the throne. Yeah. And it gives us so much more detail about what the king does. Mm. In compare, like yeah, you know, the king of Nineveh. We don't even know the king of Nineveh's name, yeah. um, but we see that he humbles himself. Yeah, he sits in the dust mm-hmm. um, as a sign to God or like a, a, a message to God. Like this is what I am to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because King Jeroboam II absolutely wasn't anything like that. Yeah, um, and he probably had. You know, I, I I'm still going through, uh, you know, Samuel and First uh, and Second Kings and everything like that. I'm. Still working, working through that. So I think it'll that, that would actually be kind of fun to go into Israel's history and stuff like that to f- to figure out all the things Jeroboam the second didn't do mm-hmm. to give you even a, a you know a better picture of why Jonah or like why the king of Nineveh is such a better example even though they were the Assyrians these you know garbage people that <laughs> that that were doing a bunch of these evil things yeah you know the psychological warfare everything everything along those lines but still they repented yeah where you have King Jeroboam the second who has all of the history. Um, that you know, everything that's happened throughout Israel's history of proving God's faithfulness to them, and yet he still isn't repentant. And they're given Nineveh's given this, you know, so like such a vague message, and they repent from it. 
which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah. But um, um <clears throat> one thing that I like about this is just that every single kind of defining attribute of this king's authority he lays down. First of all, he arose from his throne, which was his a sign of his authority as mm-hmm. king, and he laid aside his robe from him, mm-hmm. which also a sign of authority, and then covered himself with sackcloth and sat on the ashes, just a sign of grieving. So it's like every single piece of his authority he lays down, he humbles before God, and he says, God, you are the Lord. I'm going to humble myself, which is like such a good picture of like how when God calls you to do something, when God convicts you of something, some sin in your life, how we're all supposed to respond and react. Yeah, yeah I like that. Like there's this natural reaction that I think that we have as as human beings where it's like, Oh, I have sin. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Like, I'm going to be ashamed for a little bit, but yeah. then I'm going to go back to it. But it's like, no, like. I think it's a piece of pride, actually. It, it is a piece of pride to say that I am, I am like, to be ashamed is to also judge yourself. Yeah. Right. So you're putting yourself in the judgment seat. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, this king's reaction, he's not putting himself in the judgment seat. He's saying, God, you are the judge. All I can do is humble myself before you and 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 repent to right. turn from my sin. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's where, you know, our Christian walk should be. And I yeah. can't say that I, I'm always there. No, I can, no, no. Yeah. I definitely judge myself and I put myself in those positions when there's like something that just keeps eating at me, gnawing at me. Yeah. But that's one of one of the beautiful things about God is that he is the he is the authority that he is the judge and that he is the one who who helps us you know now that we have Jesus we, he helps us repent and turn from sin I mean even back in the Old Testament he was helping people turn from sin right. and turn from their yeah. ways um, I think it's interesting here that what what this is a picture of is the king laying down his identity yeah to pick up a worse identity he wow. picks up he, t- he picks yeah. up he picks up sinful man he lays down king. Mm-hmm. To pick up sinful man, mm. it's really interesting. I don't know. I just, I just, I just got that. But it's, it's, it's kind of well. I mean, that in in repentance, it's exactly what you need to do. It doesn't matter what. Oh, I just bumped the mic. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter what what level or authority you have in the church or in your job or anything like yeah. that. When the God, when God convicts you of something by the Holy Spirit, what you need to do is lay down all of your other identities, lay lay down everything, all of the pride and all of the stuff. Because uh, like um, submitting to God is like is is full like full submission to God is laying everything down. Yeah. Like not holding on to any of it. Mm-hmm. Because you you still wouldn't be fully repented if you were holding holding on to that identity still. Yeah. I think like it's really difficult, and I think that we can definitely get in our heads. And sometimes it's a process that God's working on in us to to break down those identities that we've built up for ourselves, the pride that we've built up for ourselves. But at the end of the day. The identity that you need to be picking up is that sinful man. Like, remember who you who you were and what I've brought you from. Yeah. Remember and 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 because that's what he's asked. Like, that's what he's convicting you of. Mm-hmm. He wants to get that stuff out of your life yeah. for good reasons. Like, yeah. I think what this what Nineveh had coming to them, what God's judgment would have been on Nineveh. Like, that's the same thing that that why we're convicted from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is because 
there, there are consequences to your actions. There are consequences to the sin that's in your life. And he wants to work on it with you and get it out of your life. He's not, at, he's not telling you, he's like, he's not just telling you to repent of your stuff just to, just, just, just because, you know, there's a reason for it. He he doesn't want this. He doesn't want the consequences to come down on you. And if he's warning you about it, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you about something. It's a warning. Mm-hmm. Just like Jonah was the warning to Nineveh and they repented. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, there's probably a reason for it. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. I don't know. But picking up that sinful man, I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the, the person, the highest authority of Nineveh laid down his kingship to pick up sinful man, that identity. Yeah. And I think Which it's is really, humility. it's, yeah, it's, it's really no other identity that we should have as a Christian. We should all, you know, and this is, this is a place of, I, I, I don't necessarily like saying should, but the, the point of being Christian, the point of coming to Jesus is recognizing that we are nothing without him. Yeah. That's what real humility is. Understanding that we are nothing without him, you know, and we can, I think it's so easy, at least in, 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 uh, in a, in a first world country where all of our needs, all of our, you know, all of these things are met, you know, they're met so easily with the uh, pleasures of life, you know, like money, wealth, and they can provide all of the the daily needs that we, so recognizing that need becomes, you know, harder. It becomes harder for somebody whose needs, whose physical needs are already met. When mm-hmm. your physical needs are already met, it becomes harder to recognize that we are so spiritually needy. Yeah. That we need God yeah. and when that we need his presence. And I don't know. I just think it's that's, so... That's true, though. Yeah. It's very true. You can mm-hmm. be very secure in your physical needs, mm-hmm. but so depraved in your spiritual needs. Yeah. Like, it, that's 100% true. And I think it's... Um, I mean, I, I think that's actually why, uh, God uses the, the, uh, that's, that's another piece, another portion later in the story. Why, why God uses the plant. Hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to get into of the I, spiritual. I, I would love to hear where you're going with that. And I mm-hmm. think I definitely, I'm excited about that. But, um, yeah. So verse seven. Yeah. Verse seven. Okay. So this is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh, uh, talking about the king. Uh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone uh, call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Um, I know we just talked about this a little bit ago, but I think it's interesting that they... I think Jonah probably told him like you guys need to fast and uh, fast and pray, you know, and and um uh you know, just turn from turn from your ways, but yeah. It's interesting. It's probably inside their culture to include the animals in their you know, in their um I don't know, necessarily, not necessarily festivals or anything like that, but um potentially uh rituals. Yeah. There's some kind of rituals or something like that. Yeah. That, that's probably incorporated in it. So when Jonah tells them, Hey, you guys, pro- you guys, you know, fast as you, you don't eat any food. They're like, okay, everybody, everything, you know, it's <laughs> like, um, which shows their humility. It shows, shows their, shows their heart, like where their, where their heart is at and wanting to, wanting to do what God is asking them to do. Um, which is such the opposite of Jonah. Um, but it's interesting. I haven't ever understood the sackcloth and maybe I should, maybe I should look into that. I haven't, I, I don't, I still don't understand the sackcloth. Like what, 
what that represents. Like, I know there's a reason for it. I just personally, like, I haven't, I haven't found it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've necessarily gone into that yeah. study or, or, or the reason why so many cultures used that as mm-hmm. a form of grieving. Yeah. Um, but it would be, it, it would be like a grieving and repentance thing. I think that, you know, and I, I've, I've read quite a bit where they talk about the sackcloth and ashes and covering, covering yourself with yeah. it. But yeah. yeah, I don't necessarily know where that comes from. Um, I could talk about the, uh, the archeology. span Yeah. Talk um, about the archeology. span So there was, a um, the same article that I was talking about with where they were trying to make the historical case for Jonah and then the, the entire story of Jonah and make it, um, uh, proving, proving the different points of it. There was an interesting thing found in the, uh, archeology span of, um, uh, where they, I think it's a Assyria. Well, obviously it's Assyria, but, um, they have these, there are these tablets that are called eponyms mm-hmm. and it's like every year they would have these, um, basically it would have like a short synopsis of what happened that year. And it almost every single year there would be, um, some kind of war or, um, the King went, led, led this, uh, campaign or he would do this or he would do this. And it basically, and it was like every single year. And a lot of the time, whenever they would have like a, um, a, a stagnant year, the, the king would like either be overthrown or there would be some kind of revival or not, not necessarily revival, but a re- revolt mm-hmm. from the people and stuff like that, um, which might show a little bit into their hearts. Like they wanted to battle. They wanted to conquer. Like that was where they were at. Um, but around the time that they believed that Jonah would have gone to Nineveh, they called it the stagnant period um, where it was like they had a, a, a decent chunk of, of, of years where they weren't actually... Um, you can look this up. This it's the, I think they called it the stagnant period or the stagnation period or something like that. Hmm. Where it's like in a serious history, it's it's strange for them to even have one year of of no no fighting, yeah, uh, no campaigns or anything like that. But then they have this chunk of time where they have a bunch of stagnant years, hmm. and it's really odd. And it's really like out of nowhere, and you wonder like what was actually happening there. And so the case that the guy was making uh, in this in this research was basically like if this was around the time that Jonah went, this, this could seriously be a huge archeological, um, find to corroborate the, uh, or sorry, uh, corroborate, corroborate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jonah story, mm. which I think is really interesting. And I, uh, the whole, the whole article is really, really cool. I think we should maybe put a link to it or something like that. But, uh, um, I guess it's kind of interesting thinking of the actual repentance of this, of these people. Yeah. And, because the Assyrians were freaking crazy. Like they were. And it's interesting to see that such a fierce people would be so humbled. Yeah. You know, and it definitely makes me think that God was, you know, just like God had to really soften the heart of Jonah. He was definitely there already working through circumstance yeah. and experience that he was softening the hearts of the Ninevites. Yeah. And, and this was the, like the right time for him to go. Exactly. Yeah. Which and, I think is interesting. Like when God calls you to go do something, it's not like he wasn't working there and like you're going there to start something. Like he's all, he's working everywhere all the time. Yeah. And w- when he's asking you to go do something, he's probably prepared something for you. Like it's probably, there's, there's probably some reason, there's probably some um, softening of soil where it's like you're going to plant a seed or or to water a seed or whatever, whatever it is, whatever process the people are in. But um, God was working in Nineveh. And I, 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 when I was reading through this, through this chapter, I was constantly thinking about the Ninevites and it's like, 
when they're doing this stuff, does it like never occur to them like that there's something wrong with it? Like the, the, the picture, like the, something isn't right here. And so it's like this compounding of over the years of them continuously doing this psychological warfare and the torture and everything like that. And it gets to the place where they're like, they're just waiting for somebody to bring along the message that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. And so at the first sound of it, they're like, yes. It was just a compounding yeah, effect. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And that's that, that was like, like how could they have such like full scale? Cause it says from the, from the greatest to the least. Yeah. How could they have such a full scale repentance mm-hmm. without, or, or just like out of nowhere seemingly. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I, that's what I was thinking. Like, I don't think any of the cultures like or any people of, like in the past, it's like, how can they be apathetic? Like, mm-hmm. is, is that a choice that they have to make? Like, I don't know. I just, I, and obviously this is like, this is like modern day. Like I can't look back at it and, and really put myself in that place. Cause I'm not, I wasn't in that culture, yeah. but it just, it just seems odd to me. It just seems odd to me that that's, there would be so much violence, I guess to me. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Anyways, sorry, that was a kind of a tangent. Um, <laughs> should I do verse 10? Verse 10. Uh, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and, not, and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So it kind of brings it all into picture. And the, the, next, the next chapter is really like the one where it like, it gets weird. It gets weird. Yeah. Um, Definitely some weird points in that one. But the Ninevites were just waiting for somebody to bring news to them so they could repent. And that's why God sent Jonah, yeah. so that he could give them grace, that he could give them mercy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a good picture of of how how our relationship with God is. You know, um, like Jesus came so that he might be able to speak with us so that we could receive grace and that we could also repent of our sins, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's so good. I think it's so good that we have somebody who's directly you know we're we're directly attached at the hip with Jesus yeah um and this is this is just a place where we need to always be at we need to always be humbly coming before the lord and just being like god i confess my sins mm. and i just want to be with you right cuz that's what that's that's the heart of this message is just be with god be with god recognize him as god and let him control your life. You know, one of the one of the pictures when I was listening, you know, in preparation for this podcast is I was listening to a Sunday sermon and he was talking about he was talking about how it seems in Christianity that we are all in like a stream, a stream going down, right? And that's where God is trying to lead us. But so often we're like Jonah where we're bouncing around, right? We're bouncing around and we're trying to squirm, trying to get out of the stream, trying to go back up the stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what we need to do is just be like, well, God knows what he's going to do. God knows what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just have to turn to him, mm-hmm. turn to him and lay yourself down. You know, that's one thing I've been meditating on is just like when we proclaim Christ as our Savior, we are no longer ourselves anymore. We are Christ's, meaning we have all of the all of the 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 same clothing as Christ does in the spiritual sense, and we are we are clothed in his righteousness. 
And we no longer have to live in our old way. We have a choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that necessarily connects or not, mm-hmm. but no, it does. You know, I think it's interesting on this last on this last verse that I hear a lot of like um, I've been really focused or like I've been really diving into like apologetics and and um, I love debates and I love like I don't actually love debating I I love just listening to the debates to hear both sides and stuff like that but people bring up God's God's judgment in the Old Testament yeah and and it seems like when it seems like we have our own um we have like moral judgments that we put on God in the Old Testament yeah and there's and and the thing that I that I think that this story really brings out is that God's judgment is never um unprovoked like mm-hmm. his his judge like this isn't coming out of nowhere God wanting to destroy Nineveh this isn't coming out of nowhere he sees what they're doing he has an understanding of it and he has to act on his character he has to act or uh, sorry he he's not forced to act he, that's that's just how his character is he is he He's fully just. Yeah. He's a fully just God. And so for him not to answer the Ninevites, not to come up against them, not to destroy them, um, would would be him acting against his character. And so for him to give them the warning, like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, this is going to happen if you guys, <laughs> if you guys don't repent and turn from your ways. But the thing that I love about God is that he's so quick to turn his turn his anger when we choose to turn our ways away from what we're doing. Yeah honestly and and um wholeheartedly mm-hmm. when we choose to turn away from our ways and choose to submit to god he's so quick to turn away from that yeah it's as soon as they repent mm-hmm. he relents from it what he's going to do to them yeah i think it's interesting that that the evil that we do god will match it in his judgment obviously he has to it has to be a perfect um well his judgment is perfect mm-hmm. he is the perfect judge yeah. And so for whatever he's choosing to decide on a certain on a certain thing, it's perfect. I don't know. I just think it's 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 just kind of interesting that that the Ninevites they had such an evil evil ways. Yeah. And God was going to come with them with calamity. God is, but he's a just God, and there's always a reason for it. Even in the even in the sayings and even further back in the Old Testament, you know, where I'm talking Exodus or um, um, in Genesis, where God tells them to wipe out these people. What were they doing? Like we talked about the Canaanites recently with the Syrophoenician woman. What were the Canaanites doing? Why was God so opposed to them in the Old Testament? Why did he tell them to wipe them out? Mm-hmm. It's because you need to go look at what they what they were doing. And so it's like we get mad at God for, for not stepping in in certain ways today. People get mad at God for not stepping in. in but when he does step in and he does do something about it um, in the physical world, we complain about it and say, oh, he's just an un, you know unmoral or amoral um, tyrant basically. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's, it's, I, I just think it's, um, it's taking a piece of the picture without examining. Yeah. The whole I think picture. there's, I think it's kind of a naive view. Honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ignorance. Ignorance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, I just had a piece on the little judgment thing, but yeah. Um, but he's quick to turn from it. Yeah. He's so full of mercy and grace that he provided a way for all of us mm-hmm. in today. Um, post Jesus, you know, um, yeah, I think, you know, when I get a picture of God's, like, I mean, there really isn't something that it could, that could encapsulate how much grace and mercy God has for us. But, like, think of an ocean, and then think of the largest ocean that you can think of, and then just think of the depth of that. Mm. And it is so much deeper than what we think is possible. Mm. Like, 
I love the the song "Run to the Father." It's "Run to the Father, fall into grace." Mm-hmm. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. Mm-hmm. It's like His grace is so deep that we can literally just fall into it, mm-hmm. right? But you know, and you see it through this through this people through the Ninevites. God shows His grace and His mercy towards them, even in the Old Testament. Contrary to what people say about the Old Testament. He shows grace and mercy. Yeah. You know. But yeah, do we want to close in prayer? Yeah. yeah. Oh, let me let me refocus here for a second. Um, okay. Lord, I just want to I just want to pray for everybody listening. I just pray that you would um, fill us with faith and and for the people that are struggling in their faith and they're looking for answers, God, I just pray that you would come and meet them there. Um, if they are truly seeking that, that you would find them and that you would reveal yourself to them um, through your spirit, God. And and I just pray that you would be um, anybody that's on, that's like on the fence, God. I just pray that you'd bring them to you um, because we know how good you are and how, and, and just how perfect you are and that we need you. It's not that we, that we just want you. It's that we need you. And so we want this, we want your name to be in the hearts of everybody. That's our heart. And so I just pray that for anybody that's on the fence and struggling with their faith, God, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them and be present with them and comfort them in whatever they're doing, God. And uh, I just pray for for everybody now, for everybody. I just pray that you would give us a heart that wasn't like Jonah, but that's that's like the the repentance of the Ninevites, God. I just pray that that would be quick to turn away from our wicked ways, our sinful ways, God. Whenever you convict us, that we're it doesn't take, um, you know getting thrown into the ocean and a giant fish to, to turn back and, and follow you, but that you would just lead us to quick repentance and um, that you wouldn't have to be firm with us and you wouldn't have to be rough with us, God. But um, lastly, I just want to pray for the listeners and just pray that you provide for their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs and just lift them up right now and comfort them and be their shield, God. And um, Amen. Amen. All right, so we, yeah, we have one more episode of Jonah, and that is going to be our fourth installment, and that will be next week. Um, but yeah, we post every single Friday at five o'clock in the morning. Um, if you guys are trying to get a schedule down, um, we'd love for you guys to uh, support us. And there are three ways that you can support us. You can support us first through prayer. That is probably the biggest thing. Keeping this thing going is definitely, there's a, there's a lot of different things on our plates outside of this podcast. Um, so pray for us, pray for the people supporting this podcast. Um, you know, pray for each other, just, uh, go for it, go for it in prayer. Uh, secondly, uh, we would love a rating review follow. Um, that definitely helps, uh, us gain traction as far as uh, getting this to a wider audience and then um, it helps us understand what we need to improve on. Uh, You can also contact us through our Facebook page at Talking Bible Podcast and our email at which is TalkingBiblePodcast at gmail.com. Those will be provided below in the description. Um, and also the last thing is there, we do have a support the show link, which links you to a monthly, uh, monthly 
payment service where you can help support this podcast with the production cost and um, yeah, just all of the things we're trying to uh, make our room soundproofed and all of those things, trying to build it up so that we're able to provide a better product for you guys and serve you guys. That's the whole entire purpose of this is to serve the listener um, and to hopefully give you guys encouragement on your walk and journey with the Lord. Um, and yeah, um, so yeah. And then occasionally we post bonus episodes on Wednesdays at five o'clock. Um, not this week, unfortunately, but um, potentially in the future. We're going to have more guests on uh, Praise Report. We actually just got microphones. So we have two more microphones that we're going to be able to uh, bring guests on and, uh, yeah, do all sorts of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have some missionaries on, some missionaries from our area, some missionaries from other countries, and um then former missionaries and, you know, pastors potentially. And then we might even start doing book reviews. So um, got a lot of fun stuff coming to you guys, and hopefully you guys will enjoy it. But, um, yeah, if you like the podcast, definitely remember to give us that 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 follow and then review as well. Um, and I think you can do that on the pod on Spotify. Um, and then share it. Share it to your friends and family if you enjoyed this. So, yeah. Uh, Other than that, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Stay tuned.